Hi, this is Megan Davis, and you're listening to Stories Create Me, a podcast that explores the stories that we tell that make up our present day and eventually are going to influence our future. Each month, I explore a topic with a special guest. The topic varies, but the sentiment is always the same. The stories we tell become our future. And so, won't you join us as this narrative unfolds? In today's interview, I talk with Mark Omatic. Mark works in augmented virtual worlds and creates compelling pieces of work that captures a moment in time perfectly. The place and time that he's capturing is Melbourne as it is today, and what we talk about is how this is going to continue to evolve. This conversation starts by us examining a piece of his interactive work. Without further ado, I give you Mark. Okay, so what are you going to show me today? Cool. So I'm just um, loading up my augmented reality app. So I developed mm-hmm. an application that responds to um, my collection of artworks. Okay. Um, so it's called Moving Marvels. Um, and essentially, this is one of the very first works I created called The Four Seasons of Melbourne in One Day, which essentially takes the piss out of, I guess, I mean, Melbourne's a fantastic city, but I mm. wanted to sort of take a mickey out of all the imperfections. We're not exactly perfect, so, mm. you know, why should we... Mm-hmm. Why can't we make fun of ourselves? So, um, mm-hmm. so this was a very one of the first work, works I created um, for Melbourne City Council for a, a popular event called Melbourne Knowledge Week, which okay. sort of showcases, you know, innovation and creativity that goes on within the city. So, um, right now, you can see you, from a static illustrated artwork, it uh, comes alive when I hold my tablet in front of the work. Mm-hmm. So, um, it essentially brings the artwork to life into our reality. Um, but what's really fantastic is that I've created a 3D representation of the artwork where audiences are encouraged to explore the pieces mm-hmm. at various angles. They're encouraged to, to, to this is essentially just a, a new way of creative expression and storytelling. So, um, so when you, when you're showing me this, so yeah. what I'm seeing is I'm looking at your screen Yes. and the screen is pointed at a flat 2D paper, piece of paper that's right, that's right. and there's a 3D experience happening. I'm seeing the city of Melbourne spinning around in front of me in 3D on your tablet, which is pointed at a 2D artwork. And the spinning city has trains and trams and it has MCG, it has Luna Park, it's got the Art Center, Flinders Street Station. These are all massive icons. And as we're looking at it, I can see rain falling, I see wind. Some, is it a plane? What's zipping around there at the top? What is that? Oh, what that's an umbrella. umbrella. Oh. Yeah. So I mean, um, we experience four season weather, so we get any, we get like sometimes exactly. So it <laughs> yeah. might be a beautiful sunny day, everyone's at the beach, and then next minute um, you've got you know if you've got it pissing down rain, and then yeah. and that can all happen within the span of a couple of hours. So yes. that's quite iconic to Melbourne. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so anyone who is from Melbourne or visits Melbourne will get this straight away <laughs> it's just a typical joke yeah so we, we need to laugh at ourselves and i think as artists we need to um criticize and critique okay uh, so. Uh-huh. and so this is a celebration of melbourne absolutely but also a critique in that we're not perfect we're not perfect yeah that's right and is it the weather that's not perfect or is there another level um I think it was just more taking the mickey out of um, a particular characteristic out of Melbourne. I mean, that you hear all these, you hear in the news that we're one of the best cities in the world, which I would probably agree that we are, it's, it's a fantastic city, mm. to be honest. Like, I, yeah. love, I love Melbourne. Yeah. But, like, you, you know, you, you can't forget the, the flaws that we have. I think that that's what makes us unique. You can't just think about the perfect, the perfect things about it. You've got to, yeah, look at mm. the, the imperfections as well. So, yeah. yeah. And I noticed there's no graffiti. Oh no! Yeah, I guess not. In your, um, in your world, it doesn't it doesn't exist. Well, I or? guess I guess it was just sort of a matter of time. So I mean, yeah, there are more landmarks to sort of um, to evolve. To yeah, to yeah. appreciate. I guess in terms of timing and um, yeah, t- in terms of scope and in terms of scope and timing, I, mm. yeah, just didn't really have that. But I guess in future iterations, um, I'd love to expand on that much more. You know, um, excitement to it. So yeah, well, yeah. you could you could keep it going. You could create 
different pieces that interconnect and tell various types of, mm. of the layers. Absolutely. Like you could have one where you delve into laneways and street art that then leads yeah. you to, you know, exactly. the, the public transport aspect to the, there's so many things that are really unique about Melbourne, which I is think so interesting. The beautiful thing is, um, especially with, with augmented reality art, mm. is that um, as deep as you want to go, you can peer in and discover hidden details. So. Yeah. Yeah. And um, the city's evolving. Melbourne's constantly growing quite rapidly. Absolutely. It's yeah. one of the high growth areas in this in this country. Yep. We're currently yep. in Australia yep. for anyone who's yep. wondering. I think it's superseding Sydney too, a lot of interest. Mm. Yeah, so I mean Sydney's a mess. So I think in my opinion anyway. So yeah. I, I, yeah, there's a lot of interest to to because everything just seems so much more structurally organised here. Yeah. I, it, it's just a, a nice, beautiful, grid-like fashion, whereas Sydney's a bit like spaghetti. It um, is. Yeah. Yes. Sorry. Yes. And um, there's all the tunnel works that are going to be going on, so they're going to expand the, the train and yeah, the tunnels. that's and right. Exactly. underground, which yeah. is very exciting. It's, uh, it's like, you know, people often compare Melbourne to New York, which I... <laughs> kind of get but also don't because it yeah. really doesn't I don't know if you've ever been to New York it, no I've, I've never been no. I'd love to go but okay. I, I sort of um a lot of us here we sort of romanticize about New York I think there's <laughs> yeah. a lot of the movies and all that of um, course and it, it and from what I've heard it is quite beautiful yeah um and quite grungy which I like I like that mm. I like that grungy metropolis feel to it yeah, but yeah. yeah I haven't been yet but I'd love well, to um, it is yeah. Gotham it is Gotham City but yeah right it, yeah pretty much yeah, yeah. <laughs> so and it's it, there is a lot of romanticism there and it and yeah. it is an interesting and beautiful city but it, it is Melbourne and New York are so not the same <laughs> like mm. there's very little that I find in I find in common yeah in, in the way that the city feels and operates and and do you get that a lot do people say that they're they, quite comparable like, they well they do like australians will say oh well you know melbourne it's kind of like new york and i'm like well yeah no and no yeah <laughs> just stop it's just not stop. And, and i'm not that's not in a derogatory way it's just that it's yeah. they're very different places and they're yeah. both you know good in their own way they have their own different culture and there's yes inspirations and yeah absolutely completely different so yeah. different yeah and um but then when they talk about the underground they're like oh kind of like in new york or london and i'm like yes absolutely but this is melbourne's version yeah and i think it's really important and i think part of what is really important about the work that you do is that you are intent on defining the city as it's in its own right and, and you're not comparing it to anywhere else and no. you're not making a story like, oh, it's kind of like Europe or mm, it's kind mm, of like this or it's mm. kind of like that. I mean, you're, I think your type of storytelling is foundational in that setting the scene for Melbourne as it's Melbourne and yep. Melbourne's pretty cool and actually it's good enough. Mm, mm. Like it is, you know, it's at this point where it's, it's blossoming, it's growing. People are coming from all over the world because mm, they're yeah. hearing about how cool it is. And this is all really organic uh, forms of marketing and that people are just coming here and telling people and they're coming here. Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't see that this is a big, there's not like a big international marketing campaign. However, if there ever was one, I think that you should definitely be involved. Oh, that'd be amazing. <laughs> oh, I think you should definitely be both involved. You're yeah. a storyteller. <laughs> Think could make some huge things because mm. I think yeah Melbourne absolutely has its own distinctive uh, history its own culture and it's yeah. Melbourne is a multicultural city it, it, yeah. it's it's evolved from um, several different cultures I guess what I'm trying to say is that as you were saying it's not nothing like New York well, it's it's not like New York it's no. not like San Francisco or no it's 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 got its own distinct flavor yes. so and culture so yeah. And um, and you're you are helping to define that, I think. Like, there's a lot of work that comes out of Melbourne that feels like it could be anywhere, and that's not a that's not a, a mm. negative thing. Yeah, it's it's just that you know it, people are creating art, and it yeah. feels like it's part of various movements and and tapping into global thought patterns, which yeah, is sure. totally fine and normal. Of course. Yeah. Um, but what I love about your work is that it is so set in a time and place, mm -hmm. and <laughs> and uh, it's so defining a particular space, which I think is really important because as we move into more and more globalized 
thinking and connection, I think it's really important that we have these kind of chroniclers, these people who are capturing a time and place. Interesting. In a very unique way. And I think that that's a huge strength that you have. And it's, you know, really interesting. Um, if your arm's getting tired, feel free to. Oh yeah, I was just wondering if, like, if you wanted to have a go as well. I just thought yeah. if you wanted to hold it and sort of just gather, yeah. Yeah, gather your thoughts. Okay. Too. Yeah. So now I'm holding the tablet, yeah. <laughs> and I'm looking at the artwork, and I'm actually I'm actually moving really close because what I love about this is as I get close to the to the work, I can see a lot of detail. Like I can see for people who know what a stadium looks like and you have those big <laughs> lights so the mcg has big lights that shine down so at night yeah yep and i can see the individual light bulbs and if <laughs> i move up and i look straight down at lunar park so lunar park is a big park near the sea and it has a ferris wheel and a roller coaster i can see inside i actually can see all those components inside yep. So that level of detail is incredible. And then when I see, I'm looking at the the road where the tram and the trains are going, and I can see cars. (laughs) And they're going through water when it rains, and they're they're getting rained out. And then if I go down, and I look underneath the city, there's a city loop that that's what's being expanded. That's what's getting bigger. There's two trains actually running and passing each other. So this is incredibly, incredibly detailed. And there's no little humans walking around, but I can imagine in the future, you could have people walking into Flinders Street Station to get on trains. Oh, totally. You could look in windows and see people. Mm. If I had more time, I could definitely populate it with much more detail. Mm. Um, yeah, it's, there's definitely room for scalability. Yeah, mm. definitely, which is so, you know, I love the way that that this is an iterative piece and you know storytelling is something that should evolve shouldn't be static Mm. we um i'm just gonna sit your tablet yeah sure that's fine so this is something that i talk about a lot in storytelling is that we are very as a as a culture as 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 a population on the planet like Mm. you know i'd say that most of the conversations happening within people who have access to devices and interconnection and the internet, that everyone's really concerned about the future. We're all talking about the future. Mm-hmm. What's going to happen? We can we know that we're at a tipping point. Like, things are going to change mm-hmm. and, yeah. and, and rapidly. And we're so concerned about the future. But what's, what's really interesting to me is that all the things that have stood the test of time have defined a moment perfectly... So they're not about the future. They're not about the past. They're actually about the moment they exist in. The present, yeah. And that's all we ever really have. That's it. Mm. We actually only have this moment. The future is always one step ahead. In the past, it's gone. Yeah. So all we have is now, 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 now. And the people who, I think, create really wonderful and amazing bits of storytelling understand their point in time so perfectly that they capture it so well that anybody can pick it up and read it or experience it or look at it mm. and be completely transported to that time and place. It doesn't matter if it's music. It doesn't matter if you even understand the language the music is sung in. Yep. But if you hear, uh, let's say, uh, a 15th century, like, chant, like, let's, you know, Georgian chant or something, if you, if you hear that, do you feel like you're in a church? Do you feel like you're in a holy space? Do you get a sense of something otherworldly or godless you can kind of imagine like these people standing around in robes mm. you know you're completely transported into that immersed into that environment yeah. yeah yeah and when you listen to poetry like um from well, let's say a shakespearean sonnet or if you listen to country music from the 1930s and 40s yeah. you feel like and joe and yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what perfect storytelling is. Mm-hmm. It's, Absolutely. It's about defining that space and time, and, and that's what you're doing. And so that's why I think that your, your work is so important, because you are defining a space and time mm. really well. A moment in history. A moment in history, mm. yeah. And as the city evolves, you can evolve this work. 
but you still have the iterations of the past. Mm. So you could actually create this accordion effect of mm. or layered effect. That's brilliant. Um, yeah. And that, that term iterative too, that's really um that's a really beautiful description. I didn't think of it that way. Um that it's yeah, the work itself is it will it's constantly transforming. It's never static mm. literally it's never static it, it's constantly you know evolving to the time so yeah i think that's, that's really beautiful and you're constantly being able to capture now 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 mm. these moments absolutely yeah. yeah don't look back don't look forward just focus on what's happening in the now otherwise if you constantly dwell on the past and the future mm. you're, you're you're missing out on what's yeah in the now I yeah guess that's quite yeah you know, quite powerful and there's a lot of people experiencing anxiety uh, apparently at unprecedented levels. Yeah, yeah. Um, Younger generations. Yeah. Definitely. Because mm-hmm. of the sense of having a lot of access to the past. So, you know, as somebody was, I was listening to a podcast, I listen to podcasts constantly it's to the point where I don't remember which one I'm listening yeah. to, you yeah. know. Yeah. But I can recall certain aspects to, of it. And one I was listening to said that your average four year old has more access to information. Than um, a U.S. president forty years ago. Isn't that fascinating? Yeah, yeah it's so fascinating. Yeah, just be- <laughs> it's it's you know incredible, but that access to the past is actually cre- creating a lot of anxiety because you look back and you have all this access and you have you look back and you can see what your friends did without you maybe or you can look back and see. There's multiple wars that happened because these types of things happened, and if you look at the world you go but that could happen at any time um and so that past knowledge is actually what is starting to create fear for the future really that's a that's my theory that's one of my theories i have a couple of theories but i can see how the knowledge of the past can can really temper your future mm. and you know there's a lot of um well, there's a lot of psychologists and, and people out there or different people who try to help people with anxiety. They, you know, they say your past doesn't have to predict your future. No, exactly. And, and I think this is something that we all have to remember, that our past does not have to predict our future. Even though we've seen these types of things happen before, we don't have to have, that doesn't have to be mm. what we have in the future. In a way, yeah, I see it more of a blessing than a curse, the fact that we have seen what's happened in the past, we can obviously avoid it in the future. Yeah. And, uh, like you were saying that four-year-olds have more access to information than, you know, in the past. Mm. Um, if you've seen the mistakes of others, you can prepare yourself to be, I guess that's where the anxiety comes in. You yeah. have to be quite particularly careful yeah. on your actions. So I can understand the anxiety of knowing too much. Yeah. 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 And there's, yeah, because the, 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 what's the other saying? Ignorance is bliss. Yes. <clears throat> so, you know, and, it, and there's some, there's definitely some validity there. But we're moving into a place, time and place where it's not a, it's almost not even an option anymore. We just know, we're just going to continue to know more and more and more. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not a bad thing. No, I don't think so. Mm. I think a lot of what we see going on, you know, in storytelling and narrative and art, people are really concerned with not being forgotten because we feel like we're, we're so conscious of the fact that there's all these people putting out content, artwork participating in these mm. connected, you know, envir- digital environments or even in a physical space, we're so aware of how much is going on mm. all the time. Mm. And um, I think there's anxiety in that. How do I make a difference when there's so much going on? There's I agree. So many people. Yeah. I think with the advent of social media, I mean, it's underneath the layers. It's, it's almost like um, competition. So mm. it's it's who gets the most followers. If you have the most followers in this person, then are you deemed more of a valuable, you know, mm. um, figure than that person? And um, I think a lot, of, a lot of artists I talk to, there's that fear of, okay, the first step is getting that artwork out there to the public, to social media, because that's that alone is quite a big leap for some artists. Oh, yeah. 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 Because there's that fear of criticism and critique, which you mm. always get. Yeah. Uh, but then there's also that, there's that problem where... It, your, the quality of the work is not out of the skill. It's out of the the quantity, like how it, it's quantified. So like if you have 500 views or likes of that artwork, is that much, is that a better piece of artwork than this person who's got 50 likes or 50 views? Right. So it's become almost like a competition. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. all about the followers and the likes rather than the quality and the, and the, 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 the substance of the work. Yeah. So. Yeah. Which is interesting. 
And I think when we look at these stories that we tell ourselves around what's valuable, right? Um, as far as art goes, that's, you know, it's completely subjective. It's based on who, the desire to, to acquire it or what you'll pay mm. dictates what the value is, you yeah. know, which is not too dissimilar to any other part of life. Like, you know, the highest bidder sets the, the value for that particular moment in time. But I think that we have to be careful when we talk about art that we don't move into a space where the acquisition price is the actual value of it. Because so much of the great works of, let's say, the last century, a lot of those artists never made money during their life. No. Right? Um, and they became retrospectively interesting to people because they saw, oh, wow, they actually were really unique and they actually created a whole new way of thinking that we can now look back on and mm -hmm. say, wow, that was really different. And when you look at these current trends in like social media or interconnected digital spaces, a bunch of people getting together and saying, this is really good, creates a space of, here's a bunch of stuff that's actually quite similar. I feel comfortable with this and I've seen it before, so I like it. And you start looking at Instagram feeds, they all start looking exactly the same. The same. Yep. You know, yep. so there's this, there's this, the sameness that's going on. And, and, you know, what's really important about things that are different is that they actually are what propels forward. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's really important to creativity drives invention. So mm -hmm. yeah, it changes mindsets. Mm. So I think it's really um, crucial that we don't evaluate based on what we've seen before, mm. but we evaluate what is different and new and interesting and maybe makes us feel a bit uncomfortable or challenged. And so a lot of your, your work is based on um, these imaginary worlds where they have like a steampunk vibe, mm. kind of. And I really, I love that, that aesthetic and you know, it's it's a, it's something that probably a lot of people haven't come into contact with. It's not a dominant thing. No, it's not. I don't think it's widely popular. Or maybe in Europe, it's there's quite a reputation for it because I guess the they've been exposed to that sort of kind of history of okay. grunge and industrial revolutions, all that sort of stuff. Right. Um. So yeah, I guess it depends where you are in the world. It, it does have a bit of a following. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's funny you mentioned steampunk. Yeah, I do get that quite a lot. <laughs> Was, um, is that intentional? Um. Why? Well, I actually, so I've been, I've, I was always drawing mechanical things and, and mechanical creatures, all sorts of more industrial stuff when I was a kid. And I didn't discover steampunk until university. I started hearing the term quite used a lot. So mm. going to Comic-Con or all those con festivals, um, yeah. you, some people would dress up in steampunk with the gears and the okay. top hats and the Edward. I, but I didn't know, I, I didn't know what that theme was. I couldn't put my finger on it. I had no idea this sort of, world existed so it was kind of kind of fascinating to, to see and hear that people were saying oh this is so steampunk it's very reminiscent of um yeah that genre so okay um, yeah which okay that's not a bad thing i guess I no think it was just quite interesting so right because yeah. you weren't think you weren't thinking like i need to create a steampunk world it was actually no. something you'd seen and then no. it subconsciously got yeah immersed in your work or pieces of that of things that fascinated you just got absorbed and then they kind of Came out. Yeah, yeah. My um, my childhood wasn't particularly the average childhood. I think so. Growing up in Gippsland, um, so I think most of my time was spent. Okay, so as a kid, mm. in where kids, other kids got Lego. My dad got me Meccano, a Meccano set. Okay. Um, what is that for people who don't know? So a Meccano set is essentially like an engineering toolkit for kids. So oh. so we've got Lego where you build out of blocks and stuff. Meccano yeah. is where you have metal frames and pieces and screws and engines where oh. you can actually construct your own machines, mini yeah, machines. right. And, um, you know, I was probably like four or five when my dad gave me that and that was for like <laughs> age 12 and up. Yeah, right. Um, and so my dad was an engineer um, oh. and I guess, I guess that's where a lot of the – fascination for machinery and detail and tinkering came about um, through through Meccano being able to construct these machines and understand how they work mm. and uh, dad was an engineer he would tinker and build his own machines in our workshop in the backyard and essentially after school or during the weekends I would spend all my hours 
building stuff with him. Okay. Um, it was quite um yeah. It, I mean, kids were, kid, kids were mm. kicking footballs and, and, yeah. and causing trouble in the neighborhoods. I'd just be building stuff <laughs> in the shed, building go karts, crossbows, uh-huh. trebuchet. Yeah. They, they don't exist anymore, but like just weird, weird, weird devices and machines that were just, yeah, that was, um, that was a sort of a pastime, I guess. Yeah. And amazing. I guess, and I, I always loved drawing too. So, um, being able to create these robots or these weird constructs, you know, it was always, and, and these worlds too, it was, yeah. it, it just sort of, um, it was quite natural for me, mm-hmm. I guess, to sort of step back and I guess admire and appreciate the detail and figure out how things fit together in place it, that was sort of something that fascinated me okay um that's interesting i i would not have thought that that was a primary influence because when i looked at it i thought oh you're influenced by steampunk you know that was yeah, the sure. immediate yeah. connection that i made yeah but then when you know when you're going back into your childhood spent in working out mechanics and and how things work, um, but also there's that fanciful nature, which mm. as a child we can't help but imagine that there's still magic yes. involved in everything. Yeah, absolutely. Um, which isn't even from my perspective as an adult isn't too far off because we don't we the more we know the more we don't know. So there's still a lot of magic. We know that things happen, and we can we're getting to the point where it's yeah. totally repeatable, or we can say. You know, we can go out and test this and we'll get the same result. Yeah. yeah. But we still don't know all the wh- the reasons why that it's is It's still repeatable. a mystery to us. Yeah. A lot of it's still a mystery. Mm. So um, maybe we can call that magic? I don't know. I would call it magic. I think we can call it magic. <laughs> That's a fine term, I think. That's, yeah, I agree. And for people who don't know what augmented reality is, how would you describe augmented reality okay so augmented reality is sort of superimposing um material or content into our reality so we have our environment where in our existing reality um augmented reality so yeah it superimposes um imaginary content or yeah you know virtual material into our reality it's it's it falls under the line of xr x X reality so Mm. x reality is is sort of the umbrella of virtual and augmented reality and mixed reality. So, so AR is is one of those facets, I guess. Mm. So mm. when you compare it to virtual reality, virtual reality is sort of being it's the ability to be transported into a world of someone else's creation. So when you put on that headset, you're instantly teleported into a different environment, a whole virtual environment. And it's like three sixty, like Correct. you turn yeah. your head and you should yeah. see things all around. Yeah, you. so to the yeah. point where we're at a point where you can walk around a virtual environment, you can be fully immersed in it. Mm. Whereas augmented reality, it's sort of a flip around that the, the these virtual objects are superimposed into our world. Mm. yeah okay and um so for people who are who still don't who don't know that much about augmented reality can you explain the process of or even if you do because the process is I think quite unique to the individuals or the people working on a project yeah can you explain the process of okay so I'm going to draw I have this concept for a piece I'm going to draw you, you work in pen and ink. That's right. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So, traditional mediums, yeah. Yeah. Yep. So you sit down and you draw a piece. And then what's the next step to make it this augmented reality sure. experience? Um, so there's quite a few processes involved. Um, so so when I finish the illustration, um, it then goes through a series of splicing and scanning and manipulation. So I don't know if um, some of you are familiar with Monty Python's Flying Circus, the animated sequences in those. So the cutout animations, um, it's almost through that process. So, okay. so when the artwork's created, it's then scanned and then spliced and cut up. Mm-hmm. And then um, those, those shapes are repurposed into a 3D representation of the flat work. So it's almost okay. creating the work twice. Uh. So um, it's a process of yeah, cutting up hundreds of different little pieces of the original artwork. and then. So is that kind of like your tram? So that's right. Right. Yes. So yeah. um, can you just describe what we're looking at here for sure. our listening audience? Sure thing. I'll just load this up for mm-hmm. you. So this is another work I created last year called the Melbourne Tram Limbo. Again, it's a parody of Melbourne, um, at, of, you know, transport, like commuting in Melbourne. Um, Which is very unique because we 
we use trams. We have a huge tram network. A tram culture, a huge tram culture. And yep. one of the biggest tram networks in the world, I think. Really? Mm -hmm. I didn't know that. No. Well, it's quite successful. I mean, everyone, yeah. it's, everyone uses it. It's never neglected. No. It's, it gets us everywhere. It's very full to the point sometimes where you can't get on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which is why I created this piece. It's yeah. sort of the parody of the Collins Street trams where you can never get on. That's, that's my typical journey. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this is the Melbourne tram. I'll just turn it up a bit, sorry. Yeah. So we can hear a bit of yeah, the sound. Yeah, the sound effects. The sound effects really make it. So... So um, this work, I think there's about 200 pieces, around 200 pieces altogether. And so I've drawn the artwork in a modular fashion so that almost like a Meccano set or, you know, an assembly, assembly line. So each work, um, each, each piece is spliced and then reassembled together to form one solid work. So it's almost like, maybe not origami, but... Um, well, it's kind of, if you, if you... Remember back in the old days when kids played with toys? Yeah. There you would back get in the day. back in the day. <laughs> you would get sometimes you would have a thing that you would assemble but it would be flat? Yes. So you'd get something that needed to be assembled but it would be flat and it'd be hard cardboard and you would poke the pieces out. That's right. That's and right. then you would put it together and you could make cars and you yep. could make like dinosaurs yep. or you know you think of those dinosaur bone sets they come yeah, flat. Yeah, 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 yeah. They yep. come flat on a piece of balsa wood and you put, poke the bones out and then you can actually assemble it in 3D. Yeah. And it's a, it's actual dinosaur, like a T-Rex right. skeleton. And yep. this is what it is. It's like the flat components of the tram. Yeah. And then instead of you poking each little piece out to assemble it, it pops once you have your tablet up and in, in you're in augmented reality space, it actually pops out and you can see the background where the pieces used to be. Yes. The tram assembles and then people are getting on and off the tram. Yeah. And then the tram is full and people are trying to get on and... Um, oh, actually, sorry, they're not getting on the tram because it's called a oh, limbo. It's, it's, it's forever stuck in eternity. <laughs> you can never get on. You can it's, never get on the tram. Yeah. Right. So that's why it's called limbo. It's uh, an eternal, um, eternal despair. Yes. Well, not despair, that's probably too depressing, but... Um, Slight frustration. Frustration, that's right. <laughs> but every, everyone laughs because, you know, they all get it. It's, mm. it's part of our culture, I guess. We've all been yeah. there. That's right. That's right. We've all been there. Yeah, some more than others. Yeah. 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 And so... So, yeah, so this um, this is essentially one of the more basic... The more, one of the more basic um, uh, examples of how I work in that every, um, when the artwork's created, it's then cut up and spliced into modular pieces and then reassembled again to represent the original work. Um, yeah, so as I was saying, it's, it's creating the artwork twice in a way. Mm. And, then it, and then it's telling a, a story. That's right, exactly. It's yeah. telling, uh, telling a little short snippet of, um, yeah, of Melbourne, I guess. So Yeah. And it's capturing per perfectly this moment in time. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it's, this is probably about you know twenty seconds worth of animation, but already you can capture so much storytelling in that mm. amount of time, especially in AR. Mm. Yeah, I love it. And when when we met the first time at the Column Street launch party, yeah, um, people were laughing. Yeah, they were. They yeah. were. That's the response I wanted. Yeah, yeah I'm glad. Yeah, I'm glad yeah. But it. All it took, it took them about five seconds to get it. Yeah, yeah. Which is, That's which beautiful. is beautiful. Yeah, there's not many people who can tell a joke in five seconds. Oh. That's yeah. funny. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It it takes a little time to build up to a punchline, even yeah, if sure. it's a one liner. Yeah. Yeah. It usually will take you between ten to fifteen seconds to yeah. actually get it out. And it depends on the, I guess, the sophistication of the joke too. Sometimes it might go over people's heads. Right. Sometimes not. So you have to gauge your audience, which can be yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, tricky. But anyone, I would say, anyone from the age of ten up would get this joke. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I reckon so. Yeah. So, and what's beautiful is that um, I mean, it's not just funny for locals, but visitors too. The most so when visitors. I mean, visitors go through this as well, and yes. when they see this, they res it resonates with them instantly. So mm. it's quite magical. Yeah, it's really interesting. I'll give you that. I'll, I'll I'll grab it. So now I'm holding it, and I'm actually getting really close again because I love this detail that I can see people looking at their phones 
or they're talking on the phone. Yeah, I think it's just a sort of typical 9 a.m. Yeah. Like everyone commute does. Everyone would prefer to be asleep than at work. So everyone's <laughs> sort of like get people are grumpy. Yeah. Um, so and and that's that's fine. Like I'm just try, I'm just trying to capture that that reality that yeah. you know, a lot of people will experience when they um go down go down for a tram. Yeah. <clears throat> and the people that are waiting. Yeah. They have like backpacks on. They're holding stuff. Yep. So students, you know, um, business people. Yep. Briefcases. Um, all kinds of all kinds of people who who travel through Melbourne. Yeah. And it's it's interesting that um, the faces of the people too when you open the tram. Oh, that no one's smiling. No. Yeah. <laughs> They're not smiling. No, you've got gym junkies, you've got yeah. people in headphones, you've got people just minding their own business. It's, yeah. Yeah. But there's a, there's comedy to it. There's a, a whimsical element to yeah. it too. And I like that, that you have people of different colors. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Totally. There's, um, there's not just a bunch of white faces <laughs> looking back out yeah. at us. Well, I mean, we are such a multicultural country uh -huh. and a city especially yeah. too. Yeah. We are, yeah, yeah, and uh, I mean, I'm obviously not from here, um, and but most people have like one member of their family that wasn't born here. Oh yeah, 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 and so you know, and that's immediate family, or it might be their parents or their grandparents, or yeah. you know, so the the type of of different people who are together and the thinking and the creativity yeah. that comes from that. It's very interesting, mm. and um, I think it's part of what makes Melbourne a really great city because it's becoming it's it's got its own like little mini melting. Oh, melting know, pot! Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I don't That's know how if, I describe it a lot. Yeah, I don't know if I like the term melting pot because oh, it has a lot of negative connotations, oh, especially really? in the U.S. Yeah, so oh. there used to be this. It used to be like in the you know I don't know like the sixties seventies. Yeah. So. Yeah. There was all this talk about the melting pot, but what in fact that meant was you melted away someone's previous identity, and then you all became the same. Wow. You melted into like this kind of. I never thought of it that way. I guess because I mean, I guess a lot of people I know we say we say it's a melting pot of yeah. cultures because you know it's everyone sort of swirls and learns different stuff from each other. I guess, but that's really interesting. The fact that you melt away your own. There's a burning away or a reduction or um, so because we don't want everyone to be the same. No, no, I don't want everyone to be the same. How boring would that be? Mm, so Kate Blanchett, yeah, yeah. I think it would just be, um, yeah, so boring. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, this that this diversity of thinking and yeah. this diversity of creativity and and what makes the city interesting is is this diversity of thought yeah. and viewpoints totally. and yeah i yeah. mean me me coming from i'm originally not from melbourne i'm a country boy originally from uh, gippsland yeah. regional gippsland so, so where where is that so that is i've got people going to kill me if they realize I get the direction from <laughs> southeast it's uh southeast uh -huh. of it's 2 hours 2 and a half hours southeast of melbourne okay um so um i guess I guess now it's n not so much country, it's more, it's sort of becoming, you know. More city -ish? Yeah, it used to be a town where I came from, and now it's a city. It's a okay. city with, you know, a lot of industry. And, mm. um, but, yeah, I was a country boy. I came from, I, I came to Melbourne maybe eight years ago. Okay. And, and um, because there was, no, I, I couldn't really do what I'm doing now back there. There was just no opportunities available. Uh -huh. So I think, so the beautiful thing about Melbourne is that, yeah, there is that, um, yeah, there is that interest for this kind of work. Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> and and bigger than Melbourne though too. I mean, yeah. there's oh, interest everywhere. Much bigger this. than Melbourne. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I guess, I mean, I guess Melbourne is very competitive, but at the same time, you are surrounded by innovation and creativity. It's just a yeah. It's, I was going to say melting pot, but it, it really is like a. It's a amalgamation. No, yeah, Malgamation. It's, it's like a patchwork quilt more than... Yeah, quilt. yeah. No one's the same. Everyone sort of learns from each other. You've got mm. technologists with artists and, mm. yeah, there's a, there's a swirl of, you know, new things coming out, so... Yeah. 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 And uh, it's attracting people from all over the world. Yes. Yes. And part of, part of the... Part of the struggle that people are having is that they're 
the from an immigration standpoint, the government doesn't recognize a lot of things, different types of work as actual jobs. And so it's very hard for people to stay. So people are coming in and bringing all these ideas, um, but then they might have to go because... Oh, because of their visas? Or... Yeah, yeah okay. which is unfortunate because they want to stay and they are doing extraordinary inventive things, but because of the, what is seen as a job, quote-unquote job, if it's not recognized, mm. then, then they can't stay. That's really unfortunate. And that's the yeah. issues with government and, I guess, any corporate bodies is that um, what I've learned... I mean, I guess this is just my observation, mm. but it's almost like... Um, we don't really pay attention to something unless it's been done and proven successful overseas. Yeah. 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 There's a lot of risk adverse yeah. um, thinking. I was I was talking to somebody recently and they were saying, uh, you know, I'm having a hard time under- getting people here to understand what I, what the service that I provide. So it was a different yeah, sure. type of business. I won't go too deep into it, but... Um, but they were basically saying, you know, we're, we're, we're really struggling to get people to say yes. And I said, so is this in Australia? And they said, yes. And I said, mm. right. Um, I said, so are, I said, can you go somewhere like, for example, the U.S., where the fear is not being first, but the fear is not being first. Interesting. Yeah. So Americans are a lot more afraid of somebody else doing it first and then and them being like oh we we should have got that we should, really cool we shouldn't have passed on that yeah that's really interesting yeah yeah that's that's the american mindset the fear yeah. is not being first Whereas i love that i love that here's the fear is being first so they want to see that someone else has done it first yeah and then they're like yeah. oh, okay well some all right it's been tried and, tr- and tested and you yeah. know it works seems so to be embedded in, it seems to be embedded into our not dna but sort of our the society i guess yeah in australia definitely yeah yeah and so that is something that you know it's cultural but it's also it's you know with the way that the world is it's it's a part of the mindset that's will need to be examined yes um i think to make sure that you're not passing on opportunities yeah opportunities and 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 amazing creative new things Mm. because the, th- the world that we're moving into is going to evolve into hyper-creativity, yes. not less. Yeah. Um, and so there's a lot of opportunity for artists and people who are intrinsically always flexing that creative muscle mm. to really take over, mm. <laughs> prosper, but yeah. be able to provide a lot of direction for people who have not systematically been pumping that creative muscle. You know, creativity is not a thing that we're either born with or not. We're all creative. Otherwise, humanity wouldn't have done as well as we yeah, have. Yeah, we wouldn't be where we are now. Yeah, no. Exactly. Everybody's creative. Yeah. Um, and we need to recognize that. No, I totally agree. I think, um, I guess, sort of coming back to um, what you were saying about we want to be the first to do something, that's, that's quite an amazing mindset. It's similar to, I think, uh, a lot of the, um, especially in around Asia, it's a similar mindset in that um, they're after really creative ideas. They're after that innovation. They will be, there's more investment and interest over there than there is here. So, mm. for example, um, so I met a few people that were developing their own products from, from Europe who came to um, Australia and they were presenting at Melbourne Knowledge Week. And the investment and interest wasn't so high. It wasn't so great. They had a really creative idea. Mm. But um, when it came to the question of hasn't been done before or has, has it been executed elsewhere um, and their response is no, the interest sort of, yeah, their interest just sort of just sort of took it away. Yeah, but yeah. they you know, went over to Hong Kong and started promoting over there and, and the interest was just ridiculous. They had like over 30 investors wanting to, um, you know, take their product to the next level. So yeah. Yeah. I think we all value creativity in different ways. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I think the thinking in Asia, mm. uh, just using that term broadly. Yes. It's like, you know, what is what do these things mean any really? But but um in, in there's a particular style of thinking that's often referred to as Eastern, and then there's another type that's called Western. Western, yes. Yes. And in, in Eastern thinking, it's much more holistic. Um, and I was talking to someone from Singapore and they were saying, um, he said, I, he said, I don't know that in Asia, we ever really subscribe to the Harvard business school of thought. It was always parts were adopted, but never 
fully, fully utilized, fully yeah. embraced mm-hmm. because it was too segmented and it was too, there's too many verticals. Um, and in, in Asian thinking or Eastern thinking, it's a lot more holistic and there's an, there's a, there's more conceptual sides to everything. So we don't tend to think of something as this is one vertical that doesn't touch anything else. We see it as these are components that work together. Mm-hmm. So while we might segment something out and say, this is called this, and this is what this thing does, we also understand it works in conjunction with a variety of, of other things. Mm. And so like in Western thought, you know, people were moving more towards this holistic view of like, oh, actually, yep. <laughs> these things are all related. They all they work all together. together. Yeah, yeah. And then in in Eastern thinking, there's there's a lot more embracing of verticals. However, there's a lot of hesitation because a holistic viewpoint will yep. never be abandoned. That's really interesting. Yeah. So yeah, and I, I said, do you think that that's also helpful with innovation style thinking? And they said yes because they understand that that while something has a use in this particular space and the idea is good there's also this understanding that if there's a really good part of something you can take that out and try to apply it somewhere else repurpose it yeah 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 which is really that basis of creativity is Mm. this is a good thing and it works here but how else can we use it right and you know when you're making artwork that's some that's what you're doing as well isn't it Mm. you're like i love Often art starts with this kernel of fascination or obsession that you can't get rid of. Yeah. And I think when I was writing to you, I was saying, what 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 did you love? What stories did you love as a child? And mm. I have an obsession with Baba Yaga, mm. <laughs> the Russian witch. And I first read that book when I was, I don't know, probably six or seven years old. Wow, and it's yeah. stuck with me my whole it's life. since, yeah. Could not, I can't get rid of it. Was that nightmarish? Because she lived in a house with legs. Chicken legs. Chicken legs. Yeah. And... She was a cranky. She was a cranky. maverick. She could be your friend, or she could be your evil. Foe. Yeah. Yes. And she was quite powerful, wasn't she? Yes. Yeah. 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 That it, would have given me night. <laughs> it's just this tall, tall structure with this chicken legs. Yeah, yeah. chicken legs looking down at you, running con- constantly through the forest. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I only, um, to be honest, I only um, discovered Baba Yaga from from video games. So I um, oh. playing the latest Tomb Raider. Okay. I love Tomb Raider. Um, okay. One of the story, the side stories was um, defeating Baba Yaga. Oh, yeah. yes. I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. So Baba yeah. Yaga is interesting, I think, to a lot of people mm. because she's so enigmatic and like weird, and there's so much craziness. And I think I didn't, I wasn't afraid. I was fascinated. I yep. was like, how did this thing come to be? Like, yeah. how did this all happen? It's so such a creative idea, such a creative yeah. myth, myth, myth. Because yeah. it's been spread around, yeah, through kids' stories. Yeah. And I looked into the history, right? So yeah. I said, okay, so as an adult, when mm. I couldn't shape this Baba Yaga character, I was like, who is this Baba Yaga? Yeah. So then I started looking into the history. And so there was all these different traits of Baba Yaga can be traced back to fertility rights and fertility, I guess, goddesses, for lack okay. of a better term. And so they were, they're wheat and there's all these things around fertility i guess the chickens and all this stuff okay i can see that yeah amalgamated into these this goddess who is like the giver and the taker of life which makes sense yeah because life is has that cycle to it and she literally has that power just looking down upon us feeble yeah yeah Yeah. and so that she can mess with you yeah yeah um and even if you think you have a deal she can take it away at any time yeah and that's life so she's like almost a manifestation of God or oh, just life of life. It's yeah. just life. Like it's just you can you That's can do all the right things and mm. still get, get fucked over. Mm. Oh, sorry. I mean, screwed <laughs> over. Sorry, this is PG. Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah. So it's it's like it's. I was fascinated mm. by it. Mm. Um, and but that kernel. I've created a lot of artwork about Baba Yaga because I can't shake that concept of mm. Baba Yaga, and that's how creativity works. Like you get an idea, you get obsessed with it and then you start messing with it. Like, Mm. what can we do with this? And that's how a lot of art is. It's art is innovation. It is an innovation, Mm. innovative, iterative process. That's right. And it's starts usually with an obsession. Yeah. And your obsession was mechanical 
in nature or the um, mechanics of things yeah and i guess uh, and, and when it comes to the the imaginative perspective i guess like any artist like um you know to draw something and then it's always that childhood it's always that you know that inner child saying what if i could bring that idea to life what if i, what if I could bring that character to life mm. it's augmented reality it just makes that a reality it just makes it happen yeah so. yeah there's a lot of freedom isn't mm, there absolutely yeah. yeah and um so we're just about at an hour so i thought what i would do is ask you what do you, what's next you know in your in your journey as an artist mm. where do you see all this going like augmented reality your work you know um that's a really good question. That's a really, really good question. So my work in particular, or just the technology, or the... the it it could be both. I mean, yeah. it, it, it probably relates to each other. So yeah. you can start where you want and let yeah. it evolve. Um, I don't know. I guess augmented reality, it's, it's definitely here to stay. I think that technology would definitely... It, it used, I mean, maybe in the past it used to be quite gimmicky because the technology wasn't quite there, mm. but it's we've reached this level of sophistication to the point where it is here to stay and it will essentially become a, a, a medium for us to tell stories. So... When I say that, it won't necessarily become the be-all and end-all of storytelling in the future. It's mm. really just another camp, another medium to use. Right. So it, it just may be more effective than reading a textbook about, say, a heart or understanding a heart or an object. Rather than spending, you know, 10 pages understanding that object, we could superimpose it into our reality and actually explore it and understand it in a more practical um, way. Yeah. Because we, we, we learn through, through practice and through engagement um, through doing through actually doing yeah, yeah. we're yeah. tactile and repetition that's right we're tactile beings exactly right yeah yeah i mean reading is fantastic i mean obviously i don't i don't think reading is going to be phased out no. i think it's always going to be there it's just um some some forms of storytelling and communication are much more effective than others so right and case in point your tram story mm. if i if you could tell me a 10 minute story going back through so in Melbourne and Australia, we have these trams and, yep. and, you know, go through the rush hour story. And that might take you about 20 minutes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Or you could show me that that 20 second thing, yep. that little story. I'm like, oh, yeah, I totally you get totally it. You totally get it. You get the joke. You yeah. get the history. You get the, the design of the tram. It's all there. So yeah. you can absorb so much more information through yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. And it's also a bit different than just showing me a video, mm. isn't it? Oh, yeah, There's absolutely. There's a different layer to it, is yeah. there. Um, I think you can partly, I guess, put that towards the, the wow factor of augmented reality and the fact that not a lot of people have seen it. But I guess um, there's that sort of beauty of being able to explore it intimately at different angles mm. and sort of actually get a physical representation of it right in front of you. Um, there's just more of an impact than seeing a flat screen video of it. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And so back to the question about your work. Yeah. How do you see what you're doing evolving? Um, well, there's a, there's a few things I've got at the moment going on. Um, so I've gotten funding. So I, I, I also create virtual reality as well. I make virtual reality animations and short films. Mm -hmm. um, one, my first episode got funded recently. So oh, I'm, I'm expanding on the second episode of that. Mm. Um, so essentially I've created this, over the last few years, I've created this story world franchise, a story world um, called The Junk Age, mm -hmm. which is a, um, a fictional story world set in the far future um, where the world is covered in seas and oceans of junk and the the creatures we know of today, the animals we know of today, no longer exist. They're remembered as myths and legends. So mm -hmm. that's called The Junk Age. Mm -hmm. And so um, I guess in my next, my next um, few projects, I am creating an augmented reality and interactive picture book as well as expanding it into virtual reality um, narratives and episodes. So okay. trying to sort of manifest it into different, into virtual and augmented reality mediums to sort of give people a better idea of, of this world. Mm. So um, it's not, not just for entertainment purposes, it's more so to sort of educate, um, you know, younger generations about the sort of issues we're, we're experiencing in the world right now. I mean, our, the way we manage waste and the way we throw away, the, the way... Our, our society is so driven on material goods and we just discard things like um, there's no tomorrow. So I think mm -hmm. creating this junk age, I, I want people to sort of be aware of almost like a reflection of what could potentially be our future. So. Yeah. And this is for children? Um, I guess it's adults it's too, A maybe? broad range, yeah. yeah. So I think it's, 
Um, I mean, from 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 kids to to teens. To, I guess it's quite a broad range of audiences. I mean, I've tested this. So I had a recently, not recently, maybe two years ago, showcased my first um, virtual reality narrative at Acme, and it was quite a broad range of um, a broad demographic that checked it out. And from all ages, they all loved it. So mm. I think um, there's a lot of interest for it, mm. both for VR and AR. So um, I want to continue down that path because I think people are sucked into the detail of the work and, and to see it come alive, I, 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 there's something magical about that. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Uh, and if <clears throat> you had something you were going to share, like if you had this thing that you wanted people to understand about, storytelling or you know virtual or augmented reality if there's something that that you wanted somebody to really understand about it and it might be from that place of that people have this fear that we're going to get like sucked in and people aren't going to be able to disconnect and, yeah yeah you know um and there's uh, not that i don't think that's a valid thing because there are people who are already kind of sucked into video oh, games that can't yeah, disconnect from yeah. it um but uh so it could be maybe a comment on that or um you know, or just what it is, like what value it has in the world. Because it's, like you were saying before, we're moving into a space now where this technology is getting out of the gimmick phase. Mm. It's not just like, ooh, here's a cool thing. Yeah. But it's actually got applications. Yes. And we can learn from it and we can make positive impacts in the world yep. through this type of communication. What would you like someone to understand about that? Well, I mean, for me, who's been, who's been using it for a while, I think it, it's quite powerful, a, a quite powerful tool for artists and artisans to. It's almost like an expansion of their creative abilities. So, mm. um, I guess what I could say is that the more you diversify in skill sets, um, the more you, the more ambitious and amazing your ideas can become, especially with yeah. immersive technology. Yeah. Would you encourage someone? Let's say somebody was a sculptor. Yeah. And they made beautiful sculptures and. You know, there throughout time, there's always been this fear of, like when photographs started becoming a yeah, thing and yeah. people and it became popular, then painters were or people there was art critics saying this is the death of painting. Yeah, you know? and yeah. of course it hasn't killed painting. Yeah, painting never killed sculpture as a as a, a discipline. It's like video killed the radio store star star. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it, and it hasn't. Yeah, no, it hasn't. No, exactly right. <laughs> and in yeah. fact, you know, like podcasting is becoming massive and yeah. right so we we don't really ever throw anything away we're kind of hoarders mm. humans are hoarders yeah we, we like, tend to fear what we don't know though as well yeah yeah mm. with any new technology yeah, yeah. Well, how would you encourage someone to think differently about how this might like the places that this could take them so mm. not leave their practice yeah but I, yeah because i guess what i've done is um i'm not necessarily discarding what i already know I, um, I'm using this technology to sort of to to reinvigorate what I currently do. Mm -hmm. So anyone from any in, this, in any creative background can. I mean, I, I guess I I I'm a strong believer in the more you diversify in skill sets, the more amazing things you can create. So mm -hmm. me coming from a background of you know being able to illustrate and draw and animate, um, that's fantastic. But then the, if you expand on you know if you start learning programming or game design pipelines, if you start embracing more skills, you can experiment and tinker and create something completely different you you surprise yourself mm -hmm. so i guess for those out there don't be afraid to diversify and try new things even even if it might seem daunting just taking baby steps and just sort of learning one step at a time you'll be surprised you know weeks later what you can create mm -hmm. so um just don't i i guess i'm not anti i'm not anti-institution anti-university i guess i'm trying to encourage people to don't to, not to specialize but to diversify in general to become yeah. more generalists yeah so you can have a particular special skill but um it's not going to stop you from learning programming it's not going to stop you from game design or 3d or whatever um just always be willing to learn and and embrace new new skills mm -hmm. i guess because mm -hmm. as artists we need to push the boundaries it's it's as creators we need to push the boundaries to you know show what's actually doable not to create the same stuff again and again and again that's just boring so yeah um yeah the more you the more you know the more the more knowledge you have the more you, interesting things you can create yeah 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 i think that's a perfect piece of advice for anyone mm. Absolutely. we're all artists we're all creating whether we know it or not mm. and um 
pushing the boundaries. That's right. And I guess another another pointer is that um, I think around 2015, there was a really interesting article from the University of Illinois about um, a correlation between the abundance of resources and creativity. Mm. So um, they were doing some studies where people who had all these resources around them were less inclined to think outside the box and create something new. Whereas people who were constrained, it was, sorry, the, the term was called constrained mindset. Okay. So the greater that constraint meant that you could push the boundaries further with less resources. Mm. So the, 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 the greater the scarcity of resources around you, the more likely you're you can repurpose things and push the boundaries a bit more. Right. So they, they did a study on like, you know, with, with Western um, societies and um, more poorer countries mm -hmm. with less resources around them, they were able to innovate much more by being able to think outside the box and repurpose things mm -hmm. to create something new. So um, I guess that's my concern with creators these days in a lot of industries is that we have an abundance of creative resources in that there are plugins, there are assets, uh, we, there are libraries and archives of objects and graphics that are readily available for us, yeah. which can actually make us lazy. Yeah. So you can just grab a template, use it straight away, and bang, there you go. But you haven't really been created there, have you? You yeah. haven't really thought outside the box. You're just doing what everyone else is doing. Yeah. So I guess for anyone in any creative industry, try, I guess, I, I always start sketching first. I always start with raw materials and then conceptualize and start from there. I, I'm, I don't really like using templates out there. I prefer to make things from start to start to finish. Mm -hmm. But um, I guess that's something where that's a slight concern I guess I sort of have is that when we're supplied with all those assets and graphics around us, we become a bit, we become a bit lazy yeah. with our creativity. Yeah. So, yeah, I agree. <clears throat> and this is even from a business context that mm. people will say, can we have this? Yes. And then they'll reference someone else's work and Correct. say, Correct. that worked for them because they're them. That's You're right. you yeah. and you need a different solution. That's right. Or it's, you, it's... Need a, you need a different voice or you need, don't be them, yeah. be you. That's right. You are good enough. It's a mindset mm -hmm. and that mindset is, it's it's creeping into everything. So, yeah. um, I mean, people are drawn to things that stand out. So try and think outside the box, which is hard, especially in Western societies that we, because yeah, as I was saying before, we have that abundance of, um, you know, resources that we don't need to really think so much. Yeah. So hard. Yeah. So. And uh, so there's a lot of people who are um, fans of Socratic thought or Socrates and, okay. you know, figuring out how to do <clears throat> less. So the more you have, the more you should figure out how to do less. Yeah. Okay. More. So don't, don't work hard. Just work smart is that, is that uh, yeah of? kind of but okay. also if you have access to more that means that you should not access it and that oh. if you if you have it's bizarre. yeah so if you if you could have caviar every day yeah then you should definitely not have it because you will become lazy and expectant and you will, oh, you know, content. content yeah, you yeah. lose your edge, but also you become afraid of losing that. Yeah. And that fear of losing something you is... You become attached. You yeah. become attached, and yeah. it actually limits you a lot. Yeah. Yes. So you need to disconnect from a reliance on a certain thing. Yeah. So I, Tim Ferriss, listen to his podcast a lot, and he does this exercise that Socrates recommends, and it's have a week of eating only the most basic foods, Wear the same thing every day. Don't splurge. Don't spend money. And just learn to make do with what you have mm, mm, because mm. it keeps you sharp. It keeps you fresh. And it yeah. keeps you appreciative of what you have. Oh, absolutely. You're grateful. Be grateful for the abundance of stuff that we have. Yeah. 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 But if you're constantly just using, using, using and acquiring and acquiring and acquiring, mm. you never break that reliance on the need for yeah. more and more and more. Well, you get bored easily and then you, oh, you just become, sure. yeah, it becomes a vicious cycle. Yeah. 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 Um, me being, so, I mean, I, my background, my, my father was Irish, English, mm. my mother's Filipino, Spanish. So mum mm. being, coming from the Philippines, uh, being fused with these different cultures, mm. um, I guess I was taught to be grateful for what you have and be resourceful because, you know, there are people around the world that don't have the luxuries that you have. So even yeah. if you don't have much, there are people that have far less than you. So That's right. be grateful and be resourceful for what you, you know, yeah. currently have around you. So, yeah. Yeah. 90% of people living in Australia, mm. I'm saying that broadly, but let's say, let's say at least 80% of the people living in Australia yeah. have a much higher lifestyle than 80% of the population. We have, we have 
I mean, we're considered a lucky country in yeah. a lot of ways, which is very true. And yeah. we, we complain a lot. We do. It's, <laughs> it's, and, and anyone, any other Australian would agree that we like to complain a lot. Yeah. 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 I'm not sure that's a good thing, but... Um, <laughs> Yeah. I think it's part of your self-deprecating De- humor. Yeah. humor. It's, yeah. I think it's part of the humor, like the humor and the constructs, the way people yeah. like to express themselves. Yes. Without necessarily, not there's not a lot of actual belief in the statement. It's more of, well, this is just how we like to joke yeah. around and how we like to talk. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We take the piss out of ourselves. Mm. Yeah. yeah. You have to let go of things, I guess. Yeah. yeah. And it makes you very likable. <laughs> self being separate self-deprecating yes <laughs> yeah. yes yeah. yes it's a lot easier to like someone who who will knock themselves down a few pegs yeah than someone who talks themselves, themselves up, up constantly yeah. sure. it can get a bit exhausting you're like okay you're great we get it yeah 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 <laughs> just just keep it down a bit yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. all right so thank you so much no marco thank you for having me thank you for listening to this episode of stories create me Thank you to all my guests, and I'd also like to thank my sound designer, Kyle Barber Hoffman, for creating the magical sounds that you hear while listening. Join us next month when we'll continue to explore the stories that create our world on Stories Create Me.